I, I think I saw that clip. It was the that video that you produced, and there were there was a lot of stepping, and there was some really poor voiceover. And Nick was like, "Hey, check out this video that Tony did. This is so dope." <laughs> and uh, I uh, I didn't respond because I hated it. <laughs> we live in a world that's kind of crazy right now. Are you adding more to the system than taking from it? I wasn't willing to tell myself that I didn't believe in myself enough to make it work. Come to Austin, just do cool stuff. That's the cover charge. Hello and welcome to the Cover Charge podcast. I'm your host, Nick Shank, and I'm here with Tony Stolfa and Heather Grass, the other co-founders of Third and Lamar. Welcome, guys. Hey. Glad to be here. This is the debut podcast for Cover Charge. And uh, during this podcast, the first one, we're just going to take a little time to explain you know, what Third and Lamar is all about, what you can expect from this podcast, and a little bit of our background so you can get to know, you know why we're doing this, how we came together, what paths led us to Third and Lamar. So anything I'm missing, guys? Anything you want to add? No. It's early in the morning. It's, <laughs> I've had some coffee, but maybe not enough. <laughs> um, so Third and Lamar, what's Third and Lamar? There's actually two parts of Third and Lamar. Third and Lamar Media is an ad agency and production house. So we produce films, documentaries, hype videos, sizzle reels for businesses, brands, corporate clients. Um, and on the ad agency side, we run ad campaigns, lead gen, demand gen campaigns on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google, etc. for clients. Um, so that's our professional services side of the business. And then Third Lamar is our subscription site covering Austin business subculture, which will be launching sometime in March. And the reason why we have both those sides of the business together is because it's expensive to launch a direct-to-consumer subscription company, and we needed to do. We needed to keep the lights on, and we also thought it'd be fun to use the skills that we have for other businesses as well as for our own subscription site. So, this podcast is for Third and Lamar, and we will be speaking to different businesses and entrepreneurs in Austin that we feel like are contributing to the culture of Austin. Um, so people who are making money in ways that maybe didn't exist five, 10, 15 years ago. Um, I think that's really interesting. We think that's really interesting stories of Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett listicles on how, how they found success. Honestly, never really felt relatable to me. I'm pretty bored by those types of stories. I'm more interested in everyday people who are making it work in unique and creative ways and keeping the lights on by doing what they're really interested in. Um, whether it's, you know, it could be, it could be sneaker resales. It could be Etsy stores. It could be fashion brands. It could be any bootstrap business. Um, to me, that's way more accessible. So that's kind of what we're going to focus on, but specifically in Austin. And those people are going to be on our podcast. So I'm excited about that. Heather, Tony, what do you, anything to add to that? The answer is no. Dude, I'm so, I'm so glad, <laughs> I'm so I'm glad so I brought you guys on this opening podcast. 
what you guys have contributed so far has been so meaningful. <laughs> I'm out here on a fucking island. <laughs> Happy to be here, Nick. Yeah. Uh, uh, great to be here to support you. <laughs> um, all right, let's just go straight into how we came together to form Third and Lamar because it's kind of serendipitous. Um, you know, I've always been told in my life never to start a business with friends or family because if the business doesn't go the right way, you could lose those relationships. And for the three of us, I thought, I think what's unique is that we were like right on the edge of becoming friends, but not quite friends yet. But we had enough background on each other that we had established enough trust that we could like get into this together and, and have some semblance of, you know, mutual respect and, and friendship. That's been really, I think, has helped us in the first, whatever, six months since we've launched. Um, so, Tony, why don't you talk about like how we sort of met and what your impressions were? Yeah. Um, so our <clears throat> kind of relationship goes back to Flow Sports. Uh, it's a sports media company here in Austin, if you're not familiar. Um, but Nick, you were in a completely different department than I was. Um, I was out, uh, you know, shooting their documentaries and traveling and uh, kind of rarely in the office, but we would cross pads every now and again and kind of catch up. But um, yeah, we didn't we didn't really work closely together. So our working relationship was distant. Um, but, you know, we knew of each other um, and, you know, heard about each other's works in, in you know, in the office. Um, but. I guess we didn't really start, you know, having a actual like conversations on anything, you know, other than flow related topics uh, until, you know, I was I had already left the company. Uh, you were on your way out and uh, you'd read out you had reached out to me um, to get coffee and talk about this endeavor. Um, so, yeah, we our our relationship kind of got started there. But, you know, um, we vaguely, vaguely worked together and around each other uh before that point so i always thought your work was top notch um there's a lot of people who shot for flow sports your work distinguished itself um i don't know if it was the shots you met you took the detail you that went into it um but it stood out to me it was hard to put my finger on what it was and when i found out that you were leaving flow <clears throat> excuse me um I was like, wow, for, you know, from the outside looking in, you had a great job traveling around the world, shooting um, amazing stories and exotic locations. Um, and for you to leave, I was like, he must, he's either has something amazing that he's about to work on or he doesn't, but he's got so much confidence in his own abilities that whatever he's going to do, I got to keep, keep tabs on what he's doing. I remember you coming into the office because you're still doing some freelancing for Flow and uh, just asking you what what you were up to. And you started your own production company and you said, hey, I might be looking to partner with someone who, you know, has a, a bit different background than me, maybe a bigger business background than me. Kind of stored that. I stored that away. Um, and when I left Flow, I was like, OK, and let me grab coffee with Tony and tell him tell Tony what I'm thinking. And kind of one thing led to another. I explained the concept for Third and Lamar. And fortunately, you were like, okay, I can I can get into that. But there's definitely some times where, and we'll get to this, like, sh you know, our working relationship in a little bit. But there's some times where I remember hearing from Heather that you're like, I don't know, we might have some artistic differences. 
and uh and and i that's that's fine i'm sure we'll have tons of artistic differences but um you know it wasn't a sure thing that you would give up your awesome you know your production house to join third lamar and to form it together but i'm glad you did so it's been good (laughs) yeah i I am i am as well um i it's it's tough to like especially without like a a great uh business wealth of business knowledge uh leaping into that yourself is you know it's kind of clunky so um having an organization and and people to back you up is is important and um yeah i think it was i think it was a a better move for me um and so thank you for for the (laughs) for having me um but no like and and i think the the um you know artistic differences i think that's that's you know inherent with any with any you know, partnership or group. I think it's healthy and it's, you should have, you know, differences there. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's, you know, how you go about, you know, um, coming to terms with the differences I think is what makes a strong team. So, yeah. So for, for those of you listening, uh, the way we talk about ideas at third Lamar now is if, if somebody offers up an idea that's like half baked or just kind of off the cuff, we always preface it by saying, Oh, just spitballing. And that way everyone else knows like, okay, I don't have to take this seriously per se. And like, you know, this isn't Nick or this isn't Heather. This isn't Tony saying like, we have to do this. It's just like throwing it out there for everyone to dissect. So that's like one shorthand we've developed here. But uh, okay, Heather, I knew Heather because you worked at an ad agency that I used when I was at Flow. And again, we sort of knew each other. You weren't like our direct rep on the account, but because you worked at that agency and our kids go to the same school, we sort of would pass each other by. And around the time I left and you had just had your third kid and I needed some help on a a client I had just acquired. And I was just like, Hey, Heather, are you able to help? And you jumped on. And then one thing led to another. And now you're part of third Lamar. Talk about how that went. Yeah, I think, I think you called or you you sent me a message. I think you texted me and you were like, hey, give me a call when you have a chance. And I was at a park with my kid and my newborn baby. And I think I called you back right away. (laughs) And uh, you said you needed some help with running some campaigns for a client you were working with. And it's kind of how we started talking about it. And so we started working together on that. And then I learned about your idea for third and Lamar um and one thing led to another and we started working together what I'm not going to name this person but there's a person who told you that I don't know about Nick like Nick (laughs) I don't know if he's the best person to partner with talk what did that what was actually said and what because you didn't know me that well at that point and it's true I didn't I, I mean I it wasn't a sure thing you know like I, I knew of you, you know, I thought highly of you and, you know, your work from Flow Sports, but I, we weren't friends. I didn't know you that well. Um, and I told somebody, um, you know, I might, I might par- partner with Nick Schenk, you know, what do you think about that? And that person said, oh, I don't know if Nick is a good person. And so I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, it turns out Nick Nick is a good person for all for all those listening. Um, so that's that's cold, man. That is cold. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that person uh, who said that is a good person, you know. <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm just glad that you kept the faith. Yeah, I can make my own decisions. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so you took a risk. Everyone's, you know, I think... You took a risk in your life at a time when most people wouldn't be taking risks. You just had your third child. And what made you feel like this was the right time and, and decision for you? I think a small amount of that decision was the child itself. You know, being a, a new mom again um, and being, you know, very sleep deprived. I tried to go back to work uh you know, two or three weeks after the baby was born part-time, kind of remotely, and I was just feeling really ran down, and I was like, you know, this isn't supposed to be like this. I'm just going to stop working and take a couple of months to regroup and decide what's next for me. Um, So that kind of is what pushed me to make the decision, but the truth is I've been thinking about, you know, that for years, and I think a lot of people can relate to that going home in the evenings or, you know, on the weekends, kind of like, you know, if it's their side hustle or whatever, thinking, you know, how can I get out of this so I don't have to go back to my nine to five ever again? Yep. So your cup was not being filled. Yeah. Um, and you were looking for something to fill your cup, <laughs> to put words in your mouth. Yes. I'm looking at her coffee cup right now, which is why I was thinking of that. It's um, getting pretty low. Getting low. I will refill. Coffee's that kicking in in a bit. <laughs> um, so at the time I spoke to you, Tony and I had already kind of agreed to move forward with a partnership. Um, you said you didn't know Tony at all. I kind of connected y'all. What were your first impressions of Tony? Tony's great. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm going to force this out of you then. You said your first comments to me were like, I don't know, Tony. I don't know what his business business acumen is. (laughs) Nick's really good at remembering quotes. Yeah, he is really good. (laughs) You be careful what you say around Nick. He'll remember it forever. Um, um, I I think you're, you're, you know, I think it takes some time to get to know anybody, you know, um, now that we've worked together, you know, I see how talented Tony is, but at first I wasn't really sure about him. I think the the kind of clips that I saw of his work um, initially wasn't indicative of what his best work is like. Um, and so I don't think, I think I got a false impression, you know, like a bad first impression. Um, but it wasn't, you know, truly, uh, you know, what his capabilities were. So I, I think I saw that clip. Uh, it was the, that video that you produced and there were, there was a lot of stepping and there was some really poor voiceover. And Nick was like, Hey, check out this video that Tony did. This is so dope. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I didn't respond because I hated it. <laughs> Turns out Heather is not a Jocko Willink fan. Um, yeah. I need to do a better job of, <laughs> Just realizing that my taste isn't always everyone else's taste. Um, and anyways, but hey, I'm glad you got over that. Yeah. That's yeah, prime example of, you know, creative differences. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to, I want to get into your, y'all's backgrounds even more, but I'll just say this about working with two other people. I think one thing I underestimated about going into a business is 
how much how helpful it is to have co-founders that you can like shoulder everything with so if there's a big win calling tony or heather slacking them you know i can it's great to share in the glory if it was just me i could tell my wife or my brother about a big win but like they're not in it so they'll be like oh that's that's nice my wife would be like, oh. It's going to be a good night. Yeah. <laughs> and then my wife would probably be like, you know, those dishes are piling up now. And it'd be like quickly switch to the next thing. Whereas you guys, you know, were in it. So it's great to be able to celebrate those victories with someone else who's just as invested. And then on the flip side, disappointments. They've We've had our share of disappointments. And um, like any other start business owner. Um, and being able to like deflect and not deflect, but like, you know, divert, divert it and talk to Heather and Tony about, about it and getting encouragement and being like, Oh, you know, on the agency side, this thing happened that was bad. And then Tony's like, Oh, but actually I got this awesome project on the production side and and vice versa. That's awesome. That's been something I underestimated. That's been a huge win. And actually I admire people who are doing their own, their businesses by themselves because you don't have that. And I, psychologically, that's got to be so difficult. So that, anyways, that's my way of saying, thank God we're together and I got you guys and vice versa because um, it makes it much more fulfilling. Um, okay, Tony, you have a really, I think you have a really interesting background. Um, talk to me about Growing up outside of Beaumont, a small town, your upbringing and how you made it to Austin. Yeah. um, So I was born in a town called Tyler, Texas. Um, My parents moved to a smaller town called Orange, Texas on the Gulf Coast near Louisiana. Um, uh, I guess I was four or so. Um, And so I kind of lived there all my life. Um, Not a very opportunity rich part of, uh, Texas, um, very like, uh, industrialized and most of the, uh, careers there are focused around, you know, um, petrochemicals and, and, uh, oil refineries and whatnot. So, um, and hospitals cause they need those. So, um, those were not, um, my goals. Um, so grew up there, um, <clears throat> graduated in uh, 2004. It's hard to remember now. Yeah, 2004, and uh, I, um, I mean, to keep it brief, you know, uh, I, I, I dropped out of college. Um, I went for a couple years, decided that, you know, I was paying and, and, and paying for my own school, working two jobs, going to school um, with, to no real end. I didn't know, you know, what the end all would be. Um, so <clears throat> I was also, you know, playing in some punk bands at the time. We uh, did, a, you know, a little bit like small tours here and there. And what's the name? I love the name. At the time, uh, we were. I was in a band called the A Game. Um, and uh, you, you like my first band's name, which was Element OP, which is <laughs> elementary. Which was we were just just above the elementary. Get it? Grade Element OP, like Element OP. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, I, that's my humor when you like tell a joke that's obvious and you like get it get it it's a dad joke i don't know I, i've always thought that was funny but we even had the periodic table thing it was yeah it was genius so 
um, you know, I was just at a weird point in life. I dropped out of sc- dropped out of school. Uh, didn't know what I was doing. I got a, a, a full time. I was working part time as a production assistant for a, for Next Star Broadcasting um, for a local Fox affiliate, and uh, they offered me a full time position there. So I dropped out of school immediately. Did the full time thing, uh, not really knowing that that was you know where I was going to head, but I just knew I liked that at the moment, and school was not something I was interested in doing. Um, <clears throat> until I figured out what my career path was. So uh, I took um, about two years you know, doing that job to, d- to determine that that also was not the place for me. Um, I-, I liked the video aspect. I grew in that, um, bought my own camera, started kind of shooting my own stuff on the side. But working for uh, Next Star Broadcasting was, um, was kind of eye-opening. Uh, to see how the media landscape worked uh, in the small mar- small markets. Um, and uh, soon after that, Sinclair, which is another big uh, you know conglomerate media company, was coming in to buy our, our company. And I knew my time was kind of coming up there. So Austin was always a place I looked at as a place I wanted to be. Um, I knew that you know there were a lot of like-minded folks and um, a lot of uh, opportunity. So for people that were doing the same things I was doing. So I wanted to get there as quickly as possible, and my ticket was uh, finding my way into South by Southwest so I could meet some people. So I signed myself up for a platinum badge um, through Nexstar. Um, took a trip to Austin, uh, met some people, worked out an interview for a job at a production company that was local. Um, did the interview, got a call back the following day. They wanted me to start working the next week, so that was very. I was very fortunate in that aspect. Um, so I sent a letter of resignation the next day to Nextar and just, uh, you know, kind of told them what happened. They were all excited. They were happy. They were like, great, you know, you're going to miss the, the Sinclair buyout. Um, so I got to avoid that and uh, moved to Austin the next week. Um, and yeah, all the while, I think one of the, one of the parts you were alluding at, which was kind of a, a interesting part of the, the background is that all the while I was uh, training and fighting in mixed martial arts. Um, and so um, that kind of came about at the point where I dropped out of school. When I dropped out of college, um, I was at a kind of a low point in life and I was, you know, a little, I was out of shape. I was at, I was, I'd always played football in high school and kind of kept in shape. And due to a back injury my senior year, wasn't able to play and just kind of lost that drive uh, for a little while. And um, Low point is in like self-worth was low or low point is in like you felt like you got a bunch of bad breaks. So it was like kind of felt like the victim or like talk about the low point. Yeah, I um, not so much the victim role, uh, more so, you know, I felt like... M- the place that I thought I would have in life, like just didn't exist. It was like, well, you know, nothing, the opportunities that I have here are not the, are not the things that I want to be doing. Um, and, um, I, would kind of just gotten to a a place where I, I didn't know what was, you know, I didn't know what was right for me. I don't know really how else to say that, but, uh, just did some soul searching really was just like, you know, how, you know, I don't like to throw pity parties for too long for myself, you know, maybe sob for a couple hours and then, okay, let's figure this out. What are we going to do? So, uh, and there was no sobbing in this case. (laughs) Uh, Let's be real. I was just trying to figure stuff out. So (laughs) I, uh, yeah, did a little soul searching um, and then uh, decided, you know, like 
that that as a kid, I, I always wanted to do martial arts. I always wanted to try karate or taekwondo. Uh, I thought it was cool to be able to throw flying kicks and stuff. So, and like Ninja Turtles and superheroes were my, you know, my, my heroes. So I, um, I signed up for a, a, a gym membership at a, at a kickboxing academy uh, in town. Uh, they're called Texas Karate Academy, but they started a kickboxing and MMA program. So I signed up there. Um, found a new kind of family in that. Um, so I was there constantly. I was there twice a day if I could be. Um, and all the while, you know, working at the same time. So I, uh, then just got crazy and took, decided to take a fight. Um, my coaches kind of, after about two and a half, three years of training were adamant about me, you know, bucking up and getting in the cage and having that life experience. So, um, that I think honestly, like, cause after I've had, after I've talked about this a few times now, it kind of comes back full circle. I think that was kind of my moment where I was like, you know, if you don't do this now, um, and try this, you're never going to do it. And I think that doing that act, like put a fire in me to say, like, don't ever limit yourself. Like, like you're, you telling yourself you can't do it is one thing, but like you're, you have the physical ability. Um, you have, you know, you're, you're young, you know, uh, you have this opportunity, like take advantage. Um, uh, I had a friend at the time I was working on, um, uh, a nonfiction piece about, uh, uh, hyperbaric oxygen treatment. And I had a friend with cerebral palsy who was just, he was kind of a, an inspiration to me because physically he couldn't do it, but he wanted to so bad. And like, you know, he was watching me do it. And so, and he was like, he was, you know, my big a big fan of mine. And so he kind of inspired me to just keep, you know, keep on that path. And, you know, again, if you're physically able, why not you know, yeah. do it? So, <clears throat> excuse me. So your record was in MMA three and one. Yeah. Um, so I, I did like a, an unofficial smoker and then I had, uh, three other fights. Um, and I, in combined, I was three and one. Um, what's an unofficial smoker so a smoker is like an in-house uh fight so you have it in your school it's usually they'll bring in other local schools but it's um there's no sanctioning governing body that that uh, sanctions it so um you know they don't put it on your like official record so um that's usually what everybody does is their first kind of uh, invite into the fighting world if you're going to do that you do it as an in-house smoker so that you don't get the, the, the big nerves of doing it in, in public and in front of a lot of people. You do it in front of your teammates and other schools. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I yeah. ended up losing that last fight uh, by triangle and then decided that, uh, you know, I, I had already decided that MMA was no longer something I wanted to do because I didn't want to take the head trauma uh, and I was not going to make a profession out of it. So what's the point? Um, you'd I'd, proven yourself. I'd, you could I'd, do it. Well, I gained the life experience I wanted, right? Which was, you know, putting yourself through that and locking yourself in a cage with someone that wants to hurt you. Yeah. Um, so that was done, and um, I, it was time to kind of like move on to something with a little more longevity. Yeah. In and I feel there's some people in life I meet, and I feel like within like five ten minutes, I, I just have a pretty good grasp on their story. For with you, there's a lot of, lot of layers. A lot of layers, and uh, for instance, I never would have guessed knowing knowing you that you would have done MMA, um, extremely violent sport. But you're extremely low key. I thought I think that's interesting. One thing on your bio, we had like a little Q and A on our site. You said you don't enjoy pamping yourself much. So like on vacations, 
It's like you're not going to go to like a beach resort and just chill on the beach for five days. You like to really challenge yourself. Talk. Why don't you like to pamper yourself? I think I get uncomfortable when I'm, you know, I grew up, my mom uh, was single, you know, so I had an older brother. So she raised two young boys and we were not really given a lot. We earned a lot. And so um, that's just been kind of our, you know, my upbringing. So I don't. I don't like when people give me things. I get awkward with compliments as well when people compliment. It's just always been my personality. I'm not sure why that is, but um, I don't like talking about myself either. So this is a this is you know an exercise in that. But um, yeah, and and I feel I just if I if I go too long without doing something productive. Um, I get antsy and I just, I, I can't get comfortable. So if I was on a vacation, I wouldn't be able to enjoy it as much, which I, I can be happy on the beach. Trust me. I can certainly be happy, but it's usually after like a big, uh, so like if I'm celebrating something, you yep. know, celebrating a win or a goal that I achieved a milestone. Um, but just to take a vacation once a year, I, I never, I've never really done that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've gone with my girlfriend to appease, you know, her wishes and, and desires, but, uh, I, I'll be, you know, trying to sneak in work while I'm there. You know, uh, it's just always been mine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm since we've started third Lamar, I've sort of had that any indulgence since we've started third Lamar in my personal life. I feel like, okay, I didn't earn this. Like we haven't third Lamar is not, you know, I'm happy with the progress we've made, but I'm not satisfied and I want it to continue to grow and do great work. And, um, grow our clients but i'm definitely it's hard for me to indulge and like take a break and relax or so i can i can relate to that aspect of your story for sure um but do you have yeah i mean we haven't really talked about your background at all um i mean so i mean you come from before you were at flow you were with the nfl and then before that like yeah 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 i'm happy Happy to tell my story. Uh, so I grew up in Minnesota, and um, I was actually a terrible kid. Um, talked back a lot. Had a real big problem with authority. And um, I've always, throughout my life, if I really think about it, I've never done well with people who approached me with like a father-knows-best mentality. Always rejected that. <clears throat> so my parents sent me to an all-boys military Catholic school when I was in seventh grade through 12th grade, partly because I was such a bad, I was, had such an attitude. And um, by the time I graduated, my senior classmates voted me the best military student in the whole class. But it was a joke. They did it because I was the worst military student. Because <laughs> again, I, had, I just had an issue with authority. Um, we had inspections where your gig line had to be straight, right? So your zipper, belt buckle, buttons, tie, all had to line up and straight. Um, you know, I'd, my gig line was all over the place, probably. Not probably, it was. And then, you know, I remember distinctly, we had to wear dress shoes, black dress shoes with our military uniforms. And I would get patent leather shoes that because I, I didn't need to shine those. They'd always be shiny. Um, but it, it did, I would say the best thing about going to military school was it, uh, it honed my competitive spirit. It is like, you know, as you might imagine, in that environment, everyone's trying to be the alpha. And uh, and I definitely got, I was competitive before then, but I got even more competitive then. Left school, 
um, after I graduated and went to school in California and at USC. And I just wanted a lot of my friends, you know, growing up in Minnesota, going to school in Minnesota, probably never leave Minnesota, which is fine. I love Minnesota, but I just wanted to experience something brand new. Um, and I totally drank the Kool-Aid that a lot of people say, which is if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And at the time I loved sports. So I was like, Oh, if I just, you know, find a way to work in sports, I'll love, you know, it won't feel like work, which led me to working in the NFL where I spent the first 10 years of my career, which had tons of amazing, and I was working in digital marketing roles, e-commerce, broadcasting, those types of things for NFL Europe, San Diego Chargers, Houston Texans. Um, but, you know, I realized after a while when I was starting to get burned out that I wasn't happy. So I struggled with this internal conflict. Like this is all, you know, this is what you wanted for so, so long, but you're in it and you're miserable. And, uh, you know, I left that NFL part of it is cause you know, if you leave, if you work in the NFL and you leave, there's going to be a hundred resumes the next day for that job. So you're not going to, in that environment, you're not going to get paid what you, what you think you deserve. Um, you're going to be working long hours and it's just, that's just the way it is. So in 2013, I moved to Austin with my wife and worked in renewable energy, something I'm extremely passionate about. And, um, I was there for two years before I got placed, um, at flow sports, which was sports, but it was kind of different than the NFL. It was, um, a venture backed direct to consumer subscription based sports media company and, you know, at that time, four years ago, if you think about it, there weren't that many subscription sports media companies. At the time, cable, you know, the cable bundle still was strong. People were cord cutting, but it wasn't as big as it is. It's, it's a huge trend now, and every media company has their own direct-to-consumer subscription package. But at the time, that you know, Flow Sports was way ahead of the curve. This was 2014? 20, March 2015 is when 15. I started. And, uh, and that was a great experience, but I always thought, Hey, I'm going to work here cause I've never worked at a quintessential startup before. And I always, I wanted to start my own company, always aspired to do that because, and I'll get to the reason why I was like, why don't I learn on somebody else's dime, take what I learned from this experience and apply it to whatever I start. I didn't know what I want to start. I just knew that was something I wanted to do. It ended up working out that way with third Lamar. Um, and I think about sometimes why did I have this burning desire to start a company? Um, what well, kind of par- partially goes back to, I don't like it when people tell me what to do and come at me with that father knows best mentality or mother knows best mentality. Um, also, if I think about my life, the best, the, the times in my life where I've grown the most have been when I've gotten far outside of my comfort zone. So leaving Minnesota to go to school in California, um, I know a lot of people listening to this are probably like, oh, that's big move. Well, okay, yeah. It's not like I moved to a third world country, but still a culture shock. Still leaving the nest um, and leaving my family and and network of friends. Um, Studied abroad in Spain, again, not a third world country, but it was still a different culture, different language. Amazing growth experience there. And then, um, you know, I can think of some uh, several other, other instances where I sort of got outside of my comfort zone, and that's where I got better as a person, 
And I could think of no better experience in terms of getting outside of your comfort zone than starting your own company. And so, um, and that's part of, so that, that was kind of my motivation and, um, it's sort of my story in a nutshell. He- he- let's get to Heather though. Heather, you grew up in Plano, right? I grew up, I went to high school in Plano. I grew up kind of all over North Texas, Louisiana. And you went, why did you decide to go to UT? So, uh, UT was kind of the biggest thing that I, that I could do, that I could, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I always kind of wanted to go to UT. Um, I actually had to go to community college for a couple of years to get into UT. When I finally got into UT, my mom actually said to me, maybe you should just go to cosmetology school. (laughs) Why, why do you think she said that? I think just because my parents didn't go to college and um, I'm really not, I'm really not sure. It's just, I wasn't really groomed for going to college. And so it's kind of going against the grain by trying to get into UT. And then, you know, I finally left and I came to Austin and I never went back to Dallas. <laughs> but you've always had big ambitions. I mean, yeah. you, you launched a, a media company in high school, right? Yeah, I started a magazine in high school called Making You Think, uh, where we interviewed musicians and um, published little articles from other students in the high school. Okay. Did your mom realize that how ambitious you were? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. But she thought you were... Okay. I mean... In retrospect, my mom is very proud of me. She's probably going to listen to this podcast and be like, I can't believe you said that. That's not what I said. I'm probably going to hear it. I, I know your but mom. I've never met your mom, but every time we post anything on social media, she's the first person she's to like the post. She's very proud. She's very proud of and me. And so I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, her name's Missy, right? Yep. Missy. Thank Shout you. out to Missy. Thank you so much for liking all of our stuff. Um, okay. So you go to UT and you're studying literature, right? Yeah, I studied classical literature. I learned Greek and Latin. And I didn't really have... I changed my major like three or four times. I actually started uh, majoring in biology. I couldn't really... I felt a little bit lost in college. Couldn't like... I didn't know, you know, exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know. Um, But classics was something that was really challenging. And, you know, I've always been trying to do the, the hardest thing that I could possibly do because I'm stubborn like that yeah and so I did that I graduated um taught Latin for one semester in uh, high school for high school students and it was one of the worst experiences of my life (laughs) (laughs) made a career change into digital marketing and that kind of stuck so yeah and uh why do you love Austin um I feel like Austin's kind of my hometown because I've been here for I think about 15 years now and uh, my grandparents actually lived here uh, when I was younger so I you know I kind of always wanted to move to Austin after high school and being in Dallas Um, and you know a lot of people say like oh Austin's changed or Austin is dead Austin is the new Dallas or California or whatever people say about it but I think Austin's grown up a lot and so the old Austin's kind of like hometown Austin and um 
you know, the new Austin, which is growing up into a city. Um, I kind of like that too. And it's fun to grow up with the town. Yeah. I love Austin because people here are down to earth. Um, people here are, I think are relatively modest. Um, and they want to be helpful. Since I've been public about wanting to start Third Lamar, starting Third Lamar, and sharing things and setting up coffee meetings with people in my network, everyone I've met with has been genuinely helpful and they want to be helpful. And it's not like when I'm meeting them for coffee, they're like, okay, here's, I have an agenda. How can I get the most? Uh, how can I, I spin this so that it's beneficial to me? No, people are genuinely like, okay. I, I get what you're trying to do. You should talk to this person or that person. Have you thought of this? And um, man, that's that's felt so good because, um, you know, my I've heard stories of like my brother went out to to L.A. and he met with a lot of people in L.A. and didn't know didn't always have the same experience. So you can't take that for granted that people you meet are going to be genuinely try to be helpful to you. So, and to me, that's that's the Austin vibe. People don't and there's not a a level level of um, I don't know this word judgmentalness here. Uh, you know, some people may think, "Oh, you guys have an agency and production house, and you're going to try to cover local business news." That sounds so boring. Like, that's what are you guys thinking? That sucks. Um, people aren't like that. You know, they're like, "Dude, I can totally see you know why this is a need." Or even if they don't see why there's a need, they're they're like, "Oh." to get after it you know cool looking forward to seeing whatever it is um so that's encouraging has that been your experience tony yeah i think i've had both experiences but majority of the time yeah like when i when i'm trying to meet with someone for you know to to learn about what they're doing or they want to learn about what we're doing yeah it's genuinely helpful although i have had a few people that are skeptical about you know our subscription uh, idea, you know, because, but it's hard to see, you know, from a bird's eye view, what we're trying to do, you know, if you're doing your own thing. So I get that. Um, so there's doubt, there's some doubt. I've, I've, I have gotten a little bit of that, but for the most part, whenever I bring up the idea, yeah, everyone's very at, at least supportive. And they're like, I think it's great that, that someone is trying to do this, mm-hmm. um, because it's lacking and, um, there's, there's opportunity like for it i think um yeah yeah one on our third lamar media blog last week i interviewed this guy um named eddie who's the person behind riffstrom which is one of the biggest instagram accounts with photos of ocean waves using a drone um sorry if that wasn't that articulate but anyways in my conversation with eddie from australia um he said Hey, my advice to anyone who wants to do this is just post stuff that you like. Don't worry about what other people are posting. If you like it, no matter what, if no one else likes it or comments or shares it, whatever, you're not going to care because you like it. And that's all that matters. Well, fortunately for Eddie, the stuff that he posts and likes, other people tend to like it too. And um, and that's kind of my thought on on third Lamar no matter what happens as long as what we publish the stories we cover the way we cover them as long as we're really excited and and really satisfied with the final product um 
that's going to matter more to me than, than anything else. It's when you make compromises and you make trade-offs and sacrifices or try to posture and, and produce something that you think somebody else will like, even if you don't truly like it, is when I would feel like a fraud. So I like Eddie. Thank you for those pearls of wisdom from Australia. Um, okay. We're going to wrap up this debut episode. I just want to tease a little bit of the content that we have coming um, not only on the Cover Charge podcast, but also with um, the launch of Third Lamar coming in March. Tony, Heather, do you guys want to talk about some of the stuff we have coming down the pipe? Yeah, um, I'm excited about all of it, um, but <clears throat> we we have found some very unique entrepreneurs in town um, that I'm sure a lot of people just are unaware of. Um, and... Um, we're going to, we're, we're telling their stories in a, in a way that I think people are going to find interesting. And, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. A lot of the people we're following right now, um, have a unique journey they're on. And, um, you know, uh, I think a lot of people will gain a lot of value out of what they have to say. Um, and I mean, the, our, that's I think that's our, our main motivation, right? In our content is kind of is providing value to um, to our audience. So uh, I can't say enough about how excited I am about it. It doesn't sound very enthusiastic coming from me right now. <laughs> I need another cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. more coffee. But, um, yeah, so we're gonna be talking to. Are we supposed to say the brands directly? Yeah, we can say we we can talk about the actual companies we're covering. So we got the National Bureau. Yeah. is one company we're covering, which is the brainchild of Ryan Britton. It's a fashion label. Imagine if NASA had a streetwear brand. That's how I'd describe the National Bureau. And we get really in detail on his story and the story of his brand and why it exists and the, the challenges of trying to get a fashion label off the ground. We also talked to Beard Brand, number one male grooming products company in the country, world, perhaps. They're based here in Austin, totally bootstrapped. Um, really fascinating story and they, they give some really practical advice that we're, we're excited to talk about. We got some content coming up with one of the top graffiti muralists in Austin who's also a DJ, um, Mez Data. Um, I spoke on a subsequent podcast episode you'll, you'll be able to listen to with Scott McElroy who is an entrepreneur and started to become an executive coach which has a stigma attached to it, which he openly acknowledges. But he has a really fascinating story of overcoming a ton of adversity to get to where he is today. And I think that that gives him a ton of credibility as he tries to become, um, he already has some clients, but tries to grow his executive coach business. And we just, we address the elephant in the room, which is that there's a lot of people trying to become executive or life coaches now. And a lot of people just kind of like have a, initial negative reaction toward it but we get into the depth uh into depth on that um and then we're doing some other stuff on um, one of the biggest cbd shops in austin um restart cbd they actually have flop marijuana flowers that were grown or cultivated with 0.3 percent thc so that cannabis flowers did i say marijuana flowers mm -hmm. cannabis flowers sorry <laughs> not as good with the terminology but uh it's amazing. It's like going, walking into a Colorado dispensary there, but it's it's all legal. Um, and so Shada, 
We're going to talk to her about Restart CBD. So we got some interesting stuff going on. We're, we have a long list of companies, entrepreneurs that we want to speak to that their stories have never been told. And if they have been told, they've never been told in a way that we're going to tell them. So we hope you guys like it. Check it out. Thank you for the support. This is the end of episode one of the Cover Charge podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We live in a world that's kind of crazy right now. Are you adding more to the system than taking from it? I wasn't willing to tell myself that I didn't believe in myself enough to make it work. Come to Austin, just do cool stuff. That's the Cover Charge.